Welcome to 4.0 to Pro, the pickleball podcast that focuses on a single shot, tip, or strategy to improve your pickleball game with every single pocket-sized episode. Our goal is to make you better on the court every time you hear our voices. And now your hosts, 4.something, Michael O'Neill, and USA Pickleball National Silver Medalist, Senior Pro Scott Fliegelman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of 4.0 to Pro. I'm Michael O'Neill here in Boca Raton, Florida, joined by my good buddy, Mr. Scott Fliegelman there in... Where are you? Where are you right now? I'm in Naples, Florida. All right. So an hour away from each other. I'm here for the NPL Combine, which is the tryouts for the National Pickleball League, which you're in, which is... I mean, you're really the MVP, let's be honest. But I guess there's about 240 players, and they're going to pick seven men and seven women from each team. So I got to bring my A game. But this is a Q&A show, Scott. You have about 20 minutes before you got to go get in the car and fly home. So let's just jump right into these questions. We'll see how far we get. How's that sound? It sounds great. I have a couple of quick shout outs. I've had a great week of coaching here in Naples as a guest of the Naples Pickleball Center. I had a chance to work with Andy from Chicago, Jen and Chris from Maine, the Pretty Picklers from New Jersey. Great fun with clinics and lessons all week. And I'll be back here in a little bit more than a month for the U.S. Open which I'm stoked for. It's one of my favorite events of the year. And are any of those people 402P listeners? Of course, all of them are. Right on, let's go. All yeah. right, questions. Parham says, in singles pickleball, I noticed that some pros like Ben Johns and higher level people use a drop shot to opponents backhand side as a third shot and then close to play a cat and mouse game. What is the signal or type of shot I would be looking for to drop the third versus drive the third as I want to create more shot variations in my singles game? So first and foremost, Parham, thank you for the question, but I'm going to say a lot of that is going to depend on how established they are at the non-volley zone. Typically, if they're still on the move, and Scott, you you schooled me on this so many times in Boulder, if they're not established yet, you typically have a pretty open passing shot. And if you don't, meaning like if they are established at that line, then I typically tend to say, okay... I'm going to try to, I don't want to say cut my losses, but I'm going to survive to the next shot because they're very established. They're ready to volley that ball back. So I'm going to try to drop that third to their backhand side, either using topspin or slice. And I'll play off of that, Michael. The advice that we've shared primarily from a double standpoint is to replicate the trajectory of the return of serve. And that works well for singles as well. If they really drive that return, we can wager that they've not gotten established at the non zone. So we can replicate that and hit a drive back. And if they put a little bit of float the way Ben Johns or Tyson McGuffin might on a return of serve and singles, then you can wager they are established at the non-volley zone and a drop is better there. I'm also focused on the spin of the return. If they slice the return, as we've discussed, that's the pre-spin I'm looking for in order to drive with heavy, heavy top spin. I can go cross court with some confidence that the ball will dip and dive before it goes out of bounds. If they hit me a flat return of serve or something with some top spin, I might be inclined a little bit more to hit a traditional drop shot and play some cat and mouse. I love it. I'm a 50-year-old female, no racket sport background, but good athlete. I've made it to 4.5, 5.0, and Dabbler with some senior WD. I have a solid game, but compared to my peers, have little power. How realistic is it that I can add a two-handed back end to my game? Is it something I should be investing my time into at this point? In 2022, I did not have a two-handed back end at all. 
And in 2023, I began working and developing a two-handed backhand. And I'm just going to say this with no prep whatsoever. What do you think of my two-handed backhand at the moment? Well, I love your two-handed backhand, which you've leveraged from your significant tennis background. I'm, I'm a little on the fence with the, the submission of this question, where I'd want to query her a little bit more on her other sports background. Good for you for getting to 4550 without a racket sport background. It's rare. It's doable and rather impressive. But man, picking up the two-handed backhand without a racket sport background, I'd like to know a little bit more about your other sports background. I think you can put it on your list for training, but I think there's probably some higher level things on that list to get to the 5.0 plus level. I would recommend that you listen to episode 10 of this podcast, which is backhands, how and when to hit a good backhand and how to learn the two-hander. It's something that I learned in an afternoon and then really developed into something over the course of about three or four months. And now I consider it to be uh, a weapon. I really love hitting it. I'm still working on my two-handed dink roll, but I really love it as a shot, uh, especially a drive in singles. I'll give a shout out on this topic real quick to one of my uh, favorite playing partners, friends, and fellow NPL and senior pro player, Teresa Tarn. Teresa comes to pickleball without a racket sport background, has a wicked one-handed backhand counter, but has been working on a really effective two-hander for a variety of situations. Haven't had the chance to be on court with Teresa in a little while, but I'm looking forward to, to checking it out this spring. So did we get the name of this uh, question submitter, Michael? It was only, uh, it was Moco Pickleball, but also Aaron asked a very similar question, who is a 46-year-old female, former D1 soccer player, and brand new to racket sports. And they both sort hmm. of asked, should I get a two-handed backhand? So my general idea is that, yes, I think they should. I think it's a huge asset in pickleball. But obviously, you have shared more court time with people like that. For sure, I think both. I, I wouldn't put it on the top of the list. There's likely higher priorities. But for both Aaron and Moko, give a follow to Teresa Tarn. Maybe even reach out to her. She played some college softball at Michigan State, I believe. So super high-level athlete, but not a whole lot of rackets in there. So she's got a one-hander and a two-wee, and she might have some advice for you as well. One addition to this, Scott, is that Aaron asked, some of these younger players are starting to show this ambidextrous kind of left-hand and, and right-hand forehand. Should she work on a one-handed lefty forehand versus working on a two-handed backhand. I believe that ambidextrous pickleball players are born, not made. It has never even occurred to me to take my right hand off the paddle and, and play left-handed. But I'm on court frequently with players who do, and they're rather good at it. You and I have worked on one-handed lefty shots, primarily with the goal of improving our two-handed backhand. But I've not found myself just hitting the ball with my left hand. So what do you think? Well, it is the way to develop a two-handed backhand. You should absolutely be dinking with one hand and getting that shape on the ball where we're going from seven to one. That's our spin if we're a righty player hitting with our left hand. And the second hand added to the paddle is stability. So really, when you're hitting a two-handed backhand, you're hitting a left-handed forehand with the right hand on there for stability, obviously vice versa for lefties. But I think the stability aspect of it and the snap 
of being able to pull with that right shoulder is critical to getting the right kind of power and shape on the ball. And I think really that's the key to everything that we're talking about in terms of the two-hander. It's the shape. It's the consistency and the shape of the ball that I think, for my game anyway, changed dramatically when I added the two-handed backhand to my game. It's kind of cool how all of these questions are blending nicely together, which is fun. I I had a good time this morning practicing with three really high-level players, F.D. Wilder, Peter Prodanov, and Martina Frankova. And there was an ATP opportunity for FD off to the left side of the court. And we just talked about this the the other day that he went one-handed backhand with his right hand and the ball just bent a little bit away from the court. And I half-jokingly said, maybe you should have put the paddle in your left hand. And I think that might not be a bad time for it. Not super common shot, but you know, uh, maybe I'm going to think about the next time I'm in a similar position. (laughs) I love it. Rec play first. Tats pickleball. And I'm going to give this one to you, Scott. What are the keys of being a good right side player as righty and lefty? That's a really good question. That's a bit much for this show. Oh, yeah, it we is. could probably spend spend the whole time. This is probably an episode. We should do an episode on right side player. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. So I'm right-handed. I, I can't speak right off the top of my head about doing so as a lefty. It's a def, definitely a different deal. But having played the right side with some big dominant left side players, I'm focused very much on consistent dinking, consistent dropping, and some advanced three-dimensional chess when it comes to defense. Really trying to read the tell and the targeting intentions of the player directly in front of me getting an early read off my partner's paddle of whether or not the player directly in front of me is going to take that out of the air and speed up or even off the bounce. And what kind of shield, what kind of footwork, what kind of swaying am I going to need to do to counter that ball? And had some good success with it, had some good practice with it this morning with some really great players. But those three things, I would say consistent dinks, consistent drops, and some next level defense on the right side. So one of the aspects of that, Scott, would be your Hydra defense. Just to clarify, we did a show a couple of episodes ago on the Hydra defense where your body and your paddle is prepared slightly differently, whether you're on the left side or the right side. Question for you from me to clarify something, Scott, when you're in that right side player, Hydra defense, meaning your left foot's probably a few inches off the non-volley zone, so you're canted a little bit into the center of the court because you're loading up on that backhand counter, if you can. Are you planning on backhand countering with one hand or two? A good question, and let me clarify. I think the keys to understanding the Hydra defense with audio only, in this case, is let's just visualize I'm a right side player, and the scenario that Michael's describing right now is the ball is cross-court from me. It is on the right side player on the other side. So I'm in a cross-court situation. I may step off a couple of inches with my left foot, load up on backhand, either physically and or mentally. I am just hoping and praying that they're going to feed me that lukewarm ball to my inside shoulder. And I am set up on backhand. For me, I'm having a lot more success two-handed backhand countering this ball. I'm looking for a two-handed backhand counter. The other part of the Hydra defense, if the ball is directly in front of me, at the player directly in front, I'm going to be in more stand standard backhand shield covering my body, getting ready to sway and or step to my right 
in order to counter with my backhand. Either way, I'm in a worst case scenario, kind of a posture, like I'm expecting them to speed up, really enjoying it when the cross court player speeds up at me, because all I need to do is sit on inside shoulder. And if it's toward the outside shoulder, let it fly. When you're squared up against that player directly across from you, a shield in front of your body, is that counter more of a one-hander versus a two? That's the fact, Jack. Yes, sir. Okay. (laughs) Yes, because I've got the paddle in front of me protecting my body, whereas when it's cross-court from me, I'm expecting it to be off to my left side, and that's where I'm better off with that second hand on there. It's kind of hard to do the two-handed counter to a ball that's coming right at my chest. I just really can't get that left hand in there. So I'm inclined for a one-handed push counter right in front of me, and when the ball's off to my side, or if I can get my body out of the way, that's when I can use the two-handed counter. Okay, so I think this will be the last one from Time Issues. Bob Sansonetti says, Hey, Scott and Michael, my mixed doubles partner and I are doing a lot of drills focusing on returning lobs. Two quick questions. As the lob goes up, do we both begin to retreat to the back of the court or just the partner who will be the lob returner? Number two, if the player going back to return the lob runs behind their partner, should we initiate a switch? If so, who calls it? We both listen to the podcast, thanks. So we speak the same language. Warmly, Bob and Callie. Thanks, Bob and Callie. This is one of my favorite topics to coach, primarily on a court where I can be your dance instructor and provide you with the choreography necessary to move together and gracefully with your partner. The first thing I'd like you to do when the lob goes up over your head is call it. And options are mine or your choice of yours, help or switch. Let's give your partner a very early heads up whether they need to get on their horse or not. And then as I've said on this show over and over, when that lob goes up, come hell or high water, get that ball out of the air. Too many people are envisioning retrieving or returning lobs when they imagine that scenario they turn around and run back. I want you to imagine drop stepping, turning sideways, getting your paddle cocked and ready, getting that ball at its very high point and hitting it down hard. What a great way to stop them from lobbing by providing them with an overhead smash reply. So that's number one. Number two, if you happen to say yours helper switch, you're going to need to vacate your side of the court. And I'm looking for the diagonal movement pattern from your partner who just has a better angle to go back and get that ball. You're going to need to get out of that side of the court, but also go back with them because now we're finding ourselves in a very similar scenario to a third shot. Your partner should be targeting the kitchen, an easy drop anywhere into the kitchen. And then we play it just like we would a third shot. If it's a very good drop, we'll we'll head back in. If it's mediocre, we'll hedge in the midcourt. And if it's terrible, we'll stay back and try to play some defense from there. Fantastic question, Bob. Uh, Episode 14 of this very podcast, we covered lobs in Big, long detail, including everything we just talked about, positioning, overheads, how to move, et cetera, et cetera. Episode 14. And Scott, you don't know this, but our first episode has over 10,000 listens now. How cool is that? That is very cool. Is that our number one show, the first one? It is, yeah. And our second is number two, which is not unusual. So our top three episodes are how to play winning pickleball like a pro, mastering the third shot, and then let's talk about dinking, pickleball dinking secrets of the pros. Those are our top three. Kind of cool. Fantastic. Hopefully this one will make it into the top five. Indeed. Folks, that is it for this somewhat abbreviated episode. Scott's got to go jump on a plane. I've got to get to the courts. You guys send me some good vibes. I've got, I think, 240 players competing to make 14 spots per team. So I'm hoping to be one of those players. And I'm going to do my best to bring my A game. So that is the deal. 
Scott, you have yourself a good trip, my friend. Thank you, Michael. Good luck. Have fun this weekend. All right, folks, that is it for this episode of 4.0 to Pro. As always, go have some fun in the courts, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to 4.0 to Pro. For more tips, find us on Instagram at 4.0 to Pro. If you have a pickleball question, submit it at picklehelp.com. Now, get out there and dominate. But don't forget to have fun.